0: Welcome back, one and all, to the Our Outdoors portion of your weekend. I am your host, Nick Simonson, outdoors writer with my materials online at NewsDakota.com and DakotaEdge.com. Good to be with you once again as we get into the heart of winter, a chilly January weekend on tap. I hope you're being safe if you're getting out there on the landscape, maybe in that permanent shack with a couple extra heaters going to keep your ice fishing adventures warm. Obviously, the conditions are challenging. We're seeing some pretty serious wind chills we've had a pretty solid cold snap which has made for some better ice but obviously the ice gets thicker in those colder days but it's tougher to get out there especially with the winds that we're seeing nevertheless opportunities will open up day to day week to week as we get into the season so be prepared for the conditions and just make sure that you're well aware of what you're up against as you venture out there and as you venture out there uh you know you're putting the season behind you the one that has just ended we've ended deer archery at the end of the calendar year obviously uplanding the last day was last Sunday the second so with that we have a closing of the seasons so take stock of that uh, write that information down I can't express how important it is to keep a journal of your hunting and fishing activities number one it keeps those stories from getting bigger but number two it helps you understand where you've been where you are and where you'd like to go with some of your goal setting or some of the adventures you'd like to take it sets a great stage for saying hey I'm ready to try an elk hunt out west I'm ready to venture into coyote hunting I'm ready to try Lure making, whatever it might be, there are a lot of different things that you can branch out into. We have some good information for accomplishing those goals in 2022 up at newsdakota.com and dakotaedge.com. But in the meantime, we're going to look back on the season that was for our upland birds in North Dakota. I think a lot of folks were pleasantly surprised with what they found, and when they hit that habitat, they were able to find some good populations of birds. That's coming up with RJ Gross, Upland Game Biologist with the North Dakota Game and Fish Department, right after this quick break welcome back to the show everyone if you're anything like me the upland season is over so you're curled up in the corner crying over your gun that you're cleaning out from an awesome season out there and to wrap up the season and review what we just went through we've got rj gross with us he is the upland game biologist with the north dakota game and fish department rj welcome to the show Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's good to have you back. We'll take it all in perspective and look back on well, it. was a pretty good season overall, I think, coming out of the surveys. Things were a bit concerning, and we've wrapped it all up. What is your take on how things turned out in this upland season, first for pheasants?
1: I think it turned out better than expected, and, and I told you before, I'm glad to be wrong with there are more pheasants than what our survey showed for people instead of so the other way. You know, it seems I, I can be wrong that way talking to people a couple spots that really stuck out and it came from our surveys too that northwest and the southwest corners were very good especially that northwest it seemed like uh, everyone that i talked to from up there did
0: very well this year there were
1: plenty of pheasants plenty of grouse and plenty of of partridge
0: it's good to have those opportunities you know like you said we kind of followed the rain map there were timely rains in that may and june Uh, how did those impact our our sharp-tailed grouse populations you referenced it was good up there as well any other spots it seemed the badlands, even typically the southern badlands,
1: people were doing well. Other spot, you know, northern Burley County, it wasn't like it. It has been in years past, but I think they still had enough production. I mean, and, and he did have some young birds in the bags. That was a good good bonus. You know that that drought was bad for so There's no getting around that. But it was nice, and you know we're starting to do you know a few of the, the hunter harvested wings that are coming in for everything. And there was definitely a, a later hatch when we had a, a little bit more rain, better cover uh later in the season it seems birds really responded to that
0: yeah like you said uh, i spent some time up around that regan wilton area and there were good coveys not like the numbers we saw two years ago where there were a dozen there were probably eight or six and you still had a still had a chance to get those shots But habitat was at a premium with the drought impacting growth of grass across the landscape and haying certainly took a toll on some of what did come up we did have that green up I, i think in those areas where we got a squirt of rain you had some nice green grass and suddenly in august it got a little bit taller and a little bit more lush how did the birds adjust to having to find spaces and then how did hunters follow what did people key in on you know it's definitely i think it was a cattail year
1: at least from what i've seen and
0: what what we're talking to people
1: you know they were really sticking to those cattails you know the reed grass and even you know if you had a good thick tree row um, you know you'd, you'd find birds in there too as, as late season came about but it was to be expected i mean you know you get to a place where you've hunted years past and half to three quarters of it was hay and You'd hunt the quarter that that wasn't, and there would be some birds in there. Not like years past, but I think a lot of people were surprised. But it was definitely, that was the hardest thing, you know, that hunters coming here, you know, from other states or even the guys here, you know, going out to your spots, Realizing that the habitat isn't what it was in years past, but when, when you found, you know, the decent, you know, cattails, things like that, you usually found birds.
0: That's right. You had to look for that thick stuff because that's what the birds were looking for, too. We're talking with R.J. Gross, upland game biologist for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. You referenced it, uh, R.J., two big autumn tools that Game and Fish has for keeping tabs on our upland birds is wing sampling and those hunter success surveys. How did the wing survey go in terms of samples? And Obviously, you started already, but what is your timeline for making those surveys?
1: So the wings, you know, we're we're rolling on those right now. We're actually we just have a few huns and sharptails left. We don't usually get too many of those, and you know, it's kind of on par, I think, with with years years past. Um, I'll start pheasants here next week. And those not as many as last year, but more than I expected that would that would come in. And you know, the ones that I that I've looked at already, there was a real push in that in that the late season hatches. Um, even some of them were. I don't think you could you could tell that it was a rooster when it would get up in front of you and and I heard a lot of a lot of reports of that where people thought that they were seeing a lot of hens and then one would get up and cackle and they'd shoot it and be like oh this is actually a rooster you know so maybe maybe there were more of those and I think that's going to hold true when I go through all of them that it. it's going to be you know there was a not not necessarily you know. A third attempt, but I think a lot of pheasants just probably waited a lot longer. You know, obviously there were probably a lot of nests that got destroyed with hay grazing, things like that. But, you know, the pheasants are amazing. I mean, you know, they know that they're not going to waste their energy if they're in a drought just to lay eggs. And, and I think a lot of them waited.
0: Yeah, it's really cool how it tells you, you know, the timing of things, how that hatch was pulled off, how late it was pulled off. What else do you learn about gender, age structure, and so on from the wing surveys?
1: The main thing we look for, you know, is is the adult to juvenile ratio of the harvest. And, you know, we can extrapolate that out. And, you know, you always want, you know two to three juveniles to um, an adult taken those are you know back in our heydays those were the best ratios we had and then you know when a hunter shows us that they they put on the wing envelope the date it was harvested i can take a look at the wing and age that all the way back to the day that it was hatched which is very important when things you know like haying dates crp haying dates things like that where we can show north dakota our peak hatch hatches right around june 15th every year you know so that's that's you know we set our management practices for WMAs like that. That's how we can give
0: recommendations to
1: federal programs on haying and grazing, things
0: like that. That's right. That waiting till August one day to, does become very important. Second tool, of course, Hunter Success Surveys and Hunter Season Surveys. How do those work and what info do they provide?
1: Yep. So those should be coming out pretty soon. It's our small game survey. It's combined with, with Waterfall and Upland Game. And those will go out. We subsample four or 5,000 hunters every year. Now, the data that we get back, we can extrapolate that out. And that's how we come up with our harvest, which is, you know, really another really important number that we come up with. A lot of people wait for that. You always wait for that. You're always trying to make me guess wrong every year. Because, that's right. You know, that's what that's what it is. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's our only way um, to calculate harvest. You know, we can't do that from wings. So it's very important to people when you get those surveys, send those back in, and
0: and you know fill it out to the best of your abilities. That's right. Good information there, and a lot of help comes from the hunting populace. We're wrapping up with RJ Gross, Upland Game Biologist for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Uh, the Winter Cornerstone is your winter sex survey where you go out, you tally up the gender, hens and roosters on the landscape. How does that process play out, and what does that tell you in conjunction with all these other great tools?
1: I actually did one yesterday because we actually have some snow this year. You know, It's been a while, You know, and I actually used my snowblower this year compared to last year. And so, I mean, and, and it is good, you know, we don't need too much snow, but we do need some of We need moisture, bottom line. This survey, it's not it's not a targeted survey. We don't have routes like we do for crowing town, uh, brood surveys, things like that. It's just as you're out, you know, doing your normal duties or if you're just, you want to get out of the office and go look on a nice, you know, calm, clear day a lot of times, you know, that midday when those pheasants are out scratching around in the fields uh you just go in and you tally the pheasants you know hens and roosters to that ratio and and what you know, in our hay you know the you know the five and six hens to one rooster those were kind of ideal we've been running you know the two to three hens per rooster type of thing and i mean that's to be expected you know just the the habitat isn't there to su- support it all anymore but i think it's going to come out that we have a lot more hens than roosters for this year and, and that you know a lot of field reports that's what i get a lot of people have been saying that there's you know lots of hens we're kicking up lots of hens which is a good thing i mean that's what drives the population that's why we don't harvest hens is because that is what makes a healthy peasant population
0: that it certainly does and with all that snow that you were talking about people might already be thinking spring tell us about the spring crowing counts and how that process works bringing all of these great surveys together
1: Mm-hmm. It's more of an abundance index. It's not a total count. We're out there. Those are our routes where we have approximately 100 of them around the state. And they're 20 mile routes, and every two miles we'll stop and count the, the number of crows that you hear, um, rooster crows, per two minutes, and you'll do that 10 times uh, throughout the 20 mile route, and you do those three times. And you know the peak crowing is usually that mid May. Uh, it starts start it starts May 1st, goes all through May, um, and the last day we can do them is June 10th. But that peak is always, you know, that mid-May. That's when you want to get out and try and get, you know, the best conditions. I know our springs are never really not very windy, but uh, you want, you know, that it seems, you know, about five six miles an hour wind. If it gets any over that, it gets a little a little harder to hear. Um, and those those mornings are are far and few to come by in the springs. But when you get a good morning like that, I mean, you can hear pheasants for a couple miles away. We combine we combine the crowing counts, you know, with all of our other surveys to determine you when know, that's what we try and use for our best fall forecast
0: yep it's great to have all of these neat little pieces to the puzzle and we thank you so much for the effort you and the rest of the game and fish crew does in putting that puzzle together for us and most importantly rj thank you so much for being on the show today mm-hmm. yeah thanks for having me it's always a good time so as rj pointed out those surveys are hitting the mail if you get one in your inbox make sure that you complete it because that information goes a long way to help folks on RJ's team and in the Waterfall group and throughout Game and Fish get an idea as to what people are experiencing and work towards a better end, whether that's Waterfowl or Upland or other small game. A lot of great information comes in from those of us who participate in these awesome hunting seasons. So I hope you had a great Upland season. I hope you've been been able to dry your tears off and get your gun cleaned up and are ready to put that in a safe and secure spot until next season, or maybe you're doing some winter trap shooting. Good luck with that. Whatever you're doing i hope you're having fun be safe out there and i look forward to seeing you in our outdoors